Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Eagle Brook Church Leadership Podcast. My name is John Alexander. I'm here with my co-host, Don Grafham. Don, how are you doing? And that's a genuine question, okay? How are you doing, really? Well, that's nice. That's nice that you care. I'm doing well. I mean, here we are. We're stepping into fall. I'm looking out the window. There's leaves. We're still not in the same room together. It's going to happen one day. But I I woke up excited about today's topic. I mean, as I kind of dove in and thought about it a little bit, like we got this rock star you know, guest with us today. And I think this is going to be a really relevant and interesting topic. So I'm looking forward to our discussion. Okay. I'm excited about today too, because we're talking about, hold on, we're talking about money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, listen, if you're a church leader, which I'm assuming, you know, some of you are, or at least you're a part of a church in some way, when you hear the word money, something inside of you, like, you know, pings, like, uh-oh, <laughs> Here we go, talking about mm-hmm. money in church. So I'm just going to get it right out of the way. We're talking about money. And Don, you've been a pastor and a leader for a very long time. Very long, just to emphasize very, your age. Very, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. What, what do you think people feel when they hear money mentioned in church? Uh, well, because you kind of gave me a heads up, you're going to ask that. I got three answers. (laughs) I got, I got three answers to that. You can tell me if you think I'm crazy, but maybe I have other categories I thought of, but, but number one is they're, they're grateful and generous is like one category. There's people that are like, this has been a part of the discipline of their lives. And they, they know that everything came from God in the first place. And they, they love to give back. They're generous. So there are people that actually kind of move toward this topic and, and enjoy this, but but I would say maybe the second category is probably the majority. I, I don't have any numbers for this, but I would call them suspicious and or curious, meaning, <laughs> you know, that why would I do that? I mean, how does the church even connect with my money? And it's really just a disconnect. It's not even like they're against it. They just don't even really think about it. It's just not a place that intersects in their life. My money, I'm doing whatever I can to stay out of debt. I'm just trying to pay for, uh, you know, some food, the house, and maybe put a little to get the kids to college. So, you know, there's a lot of people that are just just disconnected. And then I would say the other part of the bell curve maybe are those that are negative or resentful to it. Like, oh, see, the church is after my money. You know, there it is once again. Uh, and, you know, there's been some church history that's proven that to be true, unfortunately. I mean, there is a black eye in the church in different places of history toward money. And so, no wonder that some people are a little bit uh, unsure about that or even negative toward it. So I, I think there's a range of emotions. Some people really actually embrace it, enjoy it. And uh, a lot of people are disconnected and some people are, are angry about it, maybe even. So yeah, I'll be interested to see where we go and what we learn with this. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'm excited uh, to navigate this conversation with the special guest that we have with us because he has helped us um, through this conversation, just an incredible way the last couple of years. And in a way, in my opinion, that doesn't make people squirm because that, that's the potential uh, that we have with people when you talk about money. And his name, the guest is Jim Johnson. He's our executive director of development at Eagle Brook Church. He's been waiting so patiently. Jim, how are you doing today? John, I am doing great. And I'm hoping genuinely you're asking me as well, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, I am. That's right. Am you, didn't, sure. you didn't say I, it that time. But I yeah, really that's... care. I do really care about that answer. It's not just a throwaway question. Um, but you got to tell us, uh, for those people who are listening, who are part of a church who aren't, what exactly does your title mean? What is the executive director of development? Right. Yeah. I, you know, honestly, John, I get that question quite a bit. 
And if I can back up a little bit, I was a student pastor for quite some time. And I remember getting that question from my students, right? I'm there on a Wednesday night. I'm giving the message. We're playing the games. And then they would ask me, well, like, what do you do Wednesday to Wednesday? Like, surely you're just sitting around playing video games, eating pizza and that kind of thing. And it just was always such a funny question to me. And now I get that similar question, but in relation to what I've done for quite some time now. And I tell people all the time, I tell our small team that really we're just another extension of the church uh, to come alongside people on what is really a critical component to their daily life and to see it as a ministry opportunity as we walk alongside people and really do some training and, and experiential kind of coming alongside people around this idea of generosity and how it can be a part of their faith as they stretch that. Yeah, that's good. Well, we're glad you're on board. Um, glad you're here at Eagle Brook. And listen, I'm a pastor, I'm a teacher myself, so I can tell you I've used this line a lot. And you've probably heard this too if you're you're in the church at all, but it's this, it's this, and it's true. It's not just a line. It's true that Jesus talked about money as much as really any subject in the Bible. Um, now the bottom line, of course, when he was talking about money, wasn't always about finances or how to keep a budget, of course, but he does talk about money a lot. The Bible talks about money a lot. Why do you think that is? Why do you think Jesus mentions money so often? And Jim, I'll kick that one to you. Yeah, honestly, I think it was because he understood how integral it would be to your daily life. I mean, when you think about what you think about all day long, uh, for the most part, there are very few topics that we think about more than money. I mean, most of our waking hours are either making money or spending money in some form or fashion. I mean, I think he also understood that from the days of old till today, how it would be so uh, critical to your marriages, to your organizations, to your churches, and something that uh, could be so beneficial, but also so controversial or so tension-filled, he said, I need to speak to this topic and help people better understand uh, how to utilize the funds that they've been given. That's really good. And, and Don, let's be honest, the church doesn't get this right very often. I mean, Jesus talked about a lot, but somehow you know, we're, we're sinful. We make mistakes. There's people who are doing intentionally or unintentionally, but we just, as the church, and I'm saying, you know, including myself in that at times, churches make mistakes when it comes to talking about money. What, what kind of mistakes do you see churches making? Yeah. Well, I mean, kind of the Goldilocks principle. Sometimes it's too much. Sometimes it's too little. And so finding the, what, what's just right is difficult. And I mean, that's even hard for pastors to know, like, is it okay to talk about it? Have I talked about it too much? And so to find that real middle ground is, is a tension point. And that's, that's why it's important that we keep talking about this. Like how important, when, when should you talk about it? How often should you talk about it? Is it okay to even talk about it? And I'd say one other, like when churches have gotten it wrong, and this is just a little bit in my own perspective is kind of the quid pro quo kind of approach where if I give, then I get, you know, if I'm going to, and even pastors could preach this. If you give your money, you will get this blessing. And that's a dangerous, like, I, I don't think that we'd promote that by any stretch. I know we wouldn't promote that in any stretch. So, so that's where I've seen churches can go wrong is if they have this quid pro quo kind of thing, bargaining with Jesus. If I give you my money, now I'm going to get this in return. And maybe we'll talk about that more as we go, but we just want to have a healthy view of God, his generosity and how we'd be generous back. Yeah. I mean, people can veer too far into this prosperity 
gospel where you give to get something specifically. Of course, we believe that it's more uh, blessed to give than receive. And of course, Jesus does promise certain blessing that will happen and be unlocked in our life. But that doesn't mean um, I'm going to send in $5. I'm going to get 10 back. You know, I think that's how it gets misrepresented and churches can subtly paint that picture as if that's the, that's what Jesus means when he says that. And of course he doesn't. And I, I've seen too many churches head into that territory. And, and like you said, talking about too little, too much, we're all, I mean, we talk about how often we should talk about money a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And we're not saying, Hey, we need to talk about it more. We need to get me. No, what we're saying is, okay, have we talked about it as much as God wants us to, to remind people to challenge them? Or are we talking about it too much and we need to back away for a time? I mean, Jim, you, you keep a good pulse on this for us because there are times where you do need to stand in, your, in front of the congregation, uh, the attenders, and challenge them. This is the time we need you to step up. But if you did that every weekend, that'd be a problem, wouldn't it, Jim? Yeah, no, it definitely would be a problem. And I think I love the healthy balance that we've arrived at with that. I think also, though, there are maybe pastors on the line today or organizational leaders that are really fearful about talking uh, about money. And so there is that fine line balance because uh, we talk to our attendees and those that attend our organizations about almost every topic. And yet when it comes to money, it's such a fear factor And yet this might be the thing that's their biggest struggle point. And so seeing it as a ministry opportunity, uh, not as a, well, we're saying or talking about this so that we get, um, it's, it's, it's really, again, a fine line, but a great opportunity to come alongside people. Yeah. The thing we often say is we want something for you, not necessarily from you. And people might say, well, that's a dance with words there. That's a play on words. And no, you just want our money. No, we're, we're truly saying we see this as a ministry. We want something for you so you can experience and live out this value of generosity, not just your money, you know, from you, but Don about, and we were just debating the timeline of this before we hopped on the podcast somewhere in the vicinity of five to eight years ago, let's say we, <laughs> that's a good range. We, yeah. we, we, pretty we, big took, range. we took away and this is going to shock some some church uh, people out there. We took away passing the offering bag or plate. Um, now, I would say we were ahead of our time because now you can't pass the bag or offering plate with COVID restrictions. It's just not even allowed. So um, I think we did that in anticipation. No, I'm just kidding. But Don, you, re- you remember being a part of that decision. I wasn't necessarily a part of that decision. I think I was still in student ministries at the time when we did that as a church. But, but I would say culturally, as a church, we were worried. I mean, what's going to happen to giving now that we're not passing the plate and it goes by, you know, the Grafham family and they're sticking in $20 bills and, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Talk us through that. What did we think what was going to happen? And and actually, why did we make that decision to not pass the offering plate? Yeah, I love that vision, the, the Grafham family throwing in 20s. <laughs> 20s. I just picture you guys doing that. I'm not Pulling even sure whether to think of that as a compliment or or not. I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> well, you know what's interesting is I remember those discussions, and, and I don't even know if you know this, John, but I was late to the party. Like, I was very slow to the party about taking away the offering bags. I mean, I was the campus pastor at White Bear Lake, where we have some older attenders and to their credit, and even to my my wife's viewpoint and others, like if I'm not writing that check, and if I'm not putting that check in the bag while a song is play, being played, it's not worshipful. 
and and the whole like electronic concept of just kind of letting it digitally slide from your account to the to the church just lost its worshipful feeling and and i i actually i can relate with i i get that and i and there's a part of me that has to be reminded sometimes like when we're talking about money like oh we are giving money and i always remember that at the tax year you know when you look oh yeah we were doing that but you can kind of forget it and you do have to kind of remind yourself like i am in that act of worship and so when you took away the bags you could see why there was resistance and to be honest mine was there too about yeah. like there is that mo- the physical action of putting that check in the bag or you're 20 you know dropping it <laughs> in the bag there was something about that and then the other part that was resistant to me and this took me a while to warm up to was putting kiosks in the lobby, you know, where somebody could swipe their credit card. I mean, I just really struggled with that at first. Yeah. And then what happened is other sites were doing it and I wasn't at White Bear and, and our leaders were gracious enough, gracious enough to say like, okay, let's pilot at other sites. We'll let you kind of warm up to this thing. I've never heard of you resisting anything organization. That's the first time I've heard that. That's surprising. I, I consider myself a change friendly person, but on this one, I, that's right. I mean, it was surprising how much I did struggle with that, especially the kiosk. And, yeah. and, and then when I saw that it was working at other sites, people weren't resisting it. They actually were embracing it saying like, well, I didn't even bring cash, but I sure want to give. And now here's this convenient opportunity. I was like, Oh, maybe I need to kind of change the spin wheel, spin the change wheel here. And even I was just thinking about an example, like I was at the, in an airport a couple of weeks ago and I walked by a vending machine and I was like, oh, I don't have any cash, but I'd sure like a drink. And then I realized, oh, they take Apple pay. Well, okay. I'm going to go get a drink. If they didn't take Apple pay, I would not have gotten a drink. I mean, it's just a literal convenience of uh, people just don't carry cash. I mean, and there's younger people that don't even know how to write a check, <laughs> you know, it's hard to believe, but that's true. And so just to kind of meet people where they're at, especially when they want to be generous, like, okay, let's, let's accommodate that. And I'm glad we've gotten there, but it took me a while. It took our church yeah. a while. We did lose some tippers in the process, we say, but we gained tithers. Yeah. You know, people that were just kind of dropping in a $5 bill or whatever, but now we've gained people that are intentional. They think about it. They pray, prayerfully give. And even if it's automated, it, it can be a prayerful, worshipful kind of thing. Yeah. So hey, it's Jim, been a good what, thing. What do you think has been the benefit of that decision, Jim? Don was addressing some of the you know worries that we had going into it, but what's been the benefit of that decision? Well, I echo, I mean, uh, for us at Eagle Brook, but for any of you that maybe are contemplating that decision, it's a huge faith step. And it's something that you want to pray about and, and just really process with your leaders and those kind of things. But uh, as we made that faith step, it was really aligning it with our mission when you think about it, because we are so passionate about reaching uh, the lost people that are outside of following Jesus. And it allowed us the opportunity so that when they would come in the door, they wouldn't be immediately embraced with, oh, see, they really are about my money, as John referenced earlier, uh, because now the pay- plate is not being passed and someone's not up front uh, introducing it every week, uh, each week in and week out. And so I think that that was a benefit, but it also um, gave a further step for our regular givers. Uh, Don just referenced this, but so often when a plate is passed, uh, someone is essentially tipping back to God. Uh, they're pulling out their wallet and they're taking out a five and really they're moving from tipping to tithing, as Don said, but it's really this idea of like, now as I pray about it, think about it, it's an impact gift uh, that could really uh, bring about some transformation into whatever I'm giving to. 
Yeah, that's really good. You know, often we say, just to go back to, we're trying to reach people who are far from God. We will often say, in fact, it's it's part of our um, standards for campuses to talk about giving three or four weekends, but they can do it by sharing a story of how God has moved through their giving. They can talk about, uh, say something to the effect of, hey, if you're joining us for the first time, you may notice we don't pass an offering beggar plate because people do come to church expecting to hear about money or, or have an opportunity to give. Some want to, some don't, but, but we do say, you're going to notice we don't pass it because we don't want you to feel pressure to give. But right. if you consider Eagleburg Church your home and want to be a part of our mission, you can give, you know, ABC. Those are the three ways that you can give. And we want to let people off the hook because we don't actually want people to feel pressured to give. God doesn't want people to feel pressured to give. And I think that's been one of the benefits of it, that when you see that plate, the graphems are thrown in 20s. Maybe they're doing it because they want to. Maybe they feel pressured. We just don't want that. We want people to give thoughtfully. We want people to give prayerfully. We want people to, be, to give because God wants them to give. And so I think that's been one of the major benefits, that we're able to say that almost weekly. And what it does is it lets those, those new people, those people who are far from God, off the hook. I can't tell you how many comments I've seen just publicly or emails that said that was that was a um, significant anxiety reducer when people came to church for the first time. Like, hey, they didn't even ask for my money. They didn't pass the plate. You know, they didn't. They actually said I didn't have to do that, and that was a really good thing. But then we also try to challenge them. All right, Jim, let, let's talk about uh, the ninety-day challenge. Now, a few years ago, and we can't take full credit for this on the church we partner with had implemented this strategy, but what exactly is the 90 day challenge? Well, go figure. It fits the name. Uh, <laughs> but it's one of those things where we felt like that we were going to try this. Other churches had tried it. This challenge of faith where somebody would commit for the next 90 days to give a tithe. Uh, plenty of people give uh, occasionally, but maybe they weren't regularly giving a tithe of their income or what was coming in from uh, what God was giving them. And so we gave them that challenge. And then we promised to walk alongside them during that entire journey and to watch and see what God does in their life. With the money back guarantee at the very end, uh, this was scary at first as well, but we committed to it. We said, if you don't see God do something amazing in your life during this journey as he stretches your face, we promise to give you back whatever you have given to us. Yep, exactly. And it's been this strategy and there was a lot of skeptics leading into it. I was probably one of those skeptics like, oh, this seems, seems too gimmicky. But really, it's not. We, we do minimize the money back guarantee, although we are serious about that. We are serious about that. If, if God doesn't do something in your life, in your heart, um, we'll just give you your money back. We also say, by the way, we're challenging you to do this to any church. I mean, we say if, you, if you're part of a different church, or want to, so we're not saying it has to be towards ours. We just want to challenge people to actually trust God with their first tenth. And, and in fact, in Malachi 3.10, this is where we kind of get it from. Um, where he says, bring all the tithes in the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great, you won't have enough room to take it in. And then God says, try it, put me to the test. And it's the only place in scripture where he says, put me to the test. And that's essentially where it's coming from. We want to challenge people to put God to the test by tithing 
for 90 days. And Don, we've seen some really incredible results, haven't we? Yeah, we have. I mean, what's interesting is we come alongside, you know, those people, those families and encourage them along the way and remind them why they're doing this and just try to cheer them on as they experience the 90 days. So it is something that's, it kind of just gives someone that nudge to, well, even as I said in the beginning, that's disconnected, you know, like, uh, I just don't even think about that stuff. All of a sudden they can kind of give it a shot and like, uh, you know, here we go. And money back guarantee, what else would somebody want? But honestly, <laughs> uh, I wish I knew the numbers because it's just a few that have asked for the money back because I do think people genuinely experience. I don't think they're embarrassed. Maybe some are. But I really do think people experience God's blessing when they give. And so, it. and again, blessing doesn't look like if you give five, you get 10. It does look different in different ways. And it is fun to hear stories of people who take on the 90-day challenge and, oh, I had no idea that God was going to speak to me in this way or show himself in this way or in my kid's life or in a direction or a sense of peace or who knows. Uh, and we love to hear those stories about people, you know, step out in faith and then God meets them there. And it, it's a good thing. So it's helped our church. We've done it numerous times now. And uh, and I'd say uh, if a church is considering it, they should reach out to us and we can talk to them more about how that's worked for us and, and how we've done it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jim, Hey, another money subject. Um, let's talk about campaigns. Most every church leader I know will lead their church through a campaign. Every business leader will try to raise funds in some shape or form. Um, so, but, but talking specifically about churches going through campaigns, I mean, give us just some high level steps on how churches can actually get this right. Right. Yeah, no, that's great. It kind of, Piggybacking on what Don just said, too, I'm just saying this again, that if you need some assistance or counsel or are like, man, I didn't sign up to be a pastor, to be a full-time fundraiser, don't hesitate to reach out to us. We would love to come alongside you and encourage you and be someone that you can pick our brains and we'll do our best to answer the questions. But at a really, really high level, when you are launching a campaign, I just always try to say, make sure that you are wrapping uh, this into two words. Uh, the first word is this vision. Uh, people give to vision. So you need to ask yourself, is our vision compelling uh, to people that desire to give to it? Um, and then the second one is this is affinity is to ask yourself, do the people that are a part of our organization have a strong affinity to us as an organization, as well as our, our mission, our vision, um, but that do they also have an affinity to you? It's really critical as the senior leader of your organization uh, that you have relationships uh, that are developing and that they have an affinity uh, to your organization, to the vision, as well as to yourself. Yeah, that's that's really well said. Um, vision, you know, is is the most compelling visions I hear and what we often try to lead with are stories of life change. Right, Jim? I mean, people can give to buildings, they can give to, you know, certain types of building projects. And that's certainly an element, but we lead with the people who are going to sit in the seats in the building, the people who have sat in the seats, the people who have experienced freedom from addiction, whose marriages have been restored, whose kids um, were raised in a Christ-like environment. I mean, that's the compelling vision, isn't it? 
rather oh, than totally. just the pure brick and mortar. Although that's an element and you got to talk about that. Definitely an element, but it is a rare person that gets excited. Well, let me back up and say it this way. We all sit in the room and look at our own uh, sketches, right? The building sketches for the future. And we get really excited about it. But usually when you push that across the table, that's not necessarily that exciting to somebody that's slightly outside your organization or that's an attendee. What's exciting is when they see true life changes, John has uh, just referenced. That's what they get motivated by. That's what you need to make sure is woven into the compelling part of your vision and your mission. Absolutely. I think we're pretty good at telling our uh vision mission pretty common like i think we're pretty good as a church but what what has been good about the campaigns is they've even forced us to put that like on overdrive like <laughs> like we go all out to tell stories even in a more compelling fashion that even as i think we're all a little reluctant like oh man at the end we're asking for money what we've seen is incredible like galvanizing moments for our church to say, oh yeah, that's why we do it. Sign me up for another year. Sign me up for another run. And really we've just had these great moments through our campaigns too. I mean, I think of a couple of specific ones where we had something called a view from here, mm. you know, where we brought people on stage at Lionel Lakes. We had chairs sitting that were looking out to the auditorium and, you know, then they could kind of see from senior pastor, it was Bob at the time, you know, from his perspective, here's lives that are being changed. And then different seats would light up throughout the auditorium with a, with a story being told about each of these people. Such a cool, one of our cooler experiences I think we've offered here was a view from here, which was really a view from the pulpit, essentially. And another one where we had stories that were just told on a scrim, you know, on some kind of screen mm -hmm. where you could just hear these deep, compelling stories of a life that was incredibly changed by our church. And I mean, what what better to give your time and energy and money and resources to like that's what that's what I ultimately want to give to. I mean, what else is better than seeing a family that's restored or a wayward child come back or uh, you know an addict to be freed or somebody to be redeemed? I mean, that's yes, sign me up. And sometimes we just need those reminders. Campaigns tend to do that. They tend to yeah. bring those things to the top. Absolutely. Well, hey, final final money subject um, here. We give away money to outside organizations every single year. Now, a lot of this is raised in one weekend. There's one weekend we do um, each year where we ask people to give and we tell them we're just going to give it all away to our par partner organizations. But of course, we also give um, regularly to people um, outside of our organizations, not people, just uh, organizations and nonprofit organizations um, just through people's regular giving. And we're trying to do a better job um, more consistently telling how people's giving is making a difference outside of our church walls through organizations for us like Timothy Initiative or um, through uh, Good in the Hood, organizations like that that we support and help. And why do you think this is so inspiring for people when they hear that the church is giving away money that they've given to the church. <laughs> right. why, why is that inspiring for people? Why do people want to hear about that? Don, uh, why don't you start? Oh, I just think the, you know, one of those great statements is if your church left, would the community feel any different? And I do think our community feels supported. I feel 
I feel that our, especially our community partners feel like we're investing in them. We're standing alongside of them. Even if it's financially, we do try to send volunteers on a regular basis with those local partners that you talked about. We have international partners too, that we have connection to that we're trying to make sure that we bring leadership training or some other kind of reinforcement to them. And I just think that that's what the church is called to do is to make an impact in our community and make an impact in the world. And when people know that you know, we're vetting out these organizations. We're talking to all these organizations and we're trying to give to those who are making a kingdom difference, not just, you know, trying to do a good deed. And there's so many that are doing good deeds. And we, by the way, we get a phone call probably every week of another organization that's doing good things, which is very hard to say no to, but we've vetted all those out so that we can get to those making the greatest kingdom impact aligned with our mission And then we do whatever we can to support them. And I I think our attenders love that too. I mean, I just think they want to be generous. They don't know how to vet out all those organizations. We've done that hard work for them. And then they, they trust us with their money, which we're always very grateful for. Yeah. Jim, anything to add to that? Yeah. I think just piggybacking off what Don just said is they want to give, uh, they simply don't know where to begin. And so the church can easily be that funnel to help guide them as well as sometimes, you know, somebody maybe has a smaller gift and they think, well, what's my gift really going to do to impact that said outside organization? And yet they get excited because collectively uh, now as a church, those dollars become larger and can really make a game changing impact upon uh, one of those organizations. And so I, I also sometimes I'll use this as more of a business term, but people love to see the ROI, the return on investment. And when a church can, as Don said, really fully vet a quality organization that aligns with our mission, and then we can funnel a bunch of funds from a lot of people together uh, to go out and impact it. And then to see that return on investment uh, with lives changed, man, people get really excited about Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. That's really well said. Hey, I want to close by addressing uh, two groups of people. First are the people who are part of a church in any shape or form. And I want to talk about their own discipline of giving. What would you both say to people who maybe haven't taken that step of tithing or trusting God with their finances, what would you say to those people? Don, why don't you go ahead? Well, let's start by saying how grateful we are for those who do. You know, let's let's not overlook that our church is literally working because people are so generous at our church. And I mean, I can't say it sincerely enough of how grateful we are. Uh, for people that, you know, are maybe scratching and clawing at home, you know, to kind of stay out of debt or, or get the kids to college or put a meal and yet they're faithful in their giving. And so we, we literally are sustained by people who, who give. So, so there are a lot of those who are in that, that camp that do that. We're so grateful, but for those that are, are missing out on that, I, I would go back to what I was saying is that this is some of the best way to spend your money. If I could say, I mean, if you think about being pro, I, I, I was just at the student ministries last night and, you know, all those scattered all throughout the room because of these crazy COVID restrictions. I mean, it looks very bizarre to see high school kids kind of plopped three seats away from each other, two rows away. They're in this worship mode. You know, these high school kids, these middle school kids are worshiping God. And I mean, I'm, I'm fighting back tears in the back of the white bear room. We had to open up the back auditorium door because students are still risking it to come. And then they hear this message where the gospel is preached uh, or at high school, 
Aaron Damianovich did a great job talking about sometimes we have to forsake what is kind of the short-term gain so that we can have the long-term gain. You know, let's, even though what's immediate is so tempting, maybe we have to say no to that for the sake of something longer. So let's pursue a purpose that only God can give us. I mean, I want my, my kid was there and that's, that's where I, I want my kids. That's where I want other people's kids. What better investment, mm-hmm. you know, to be a part of that. So you're investing in eternal things that are also proactive in helping people to avoid the ditch in their life, much less pulling people out of the ditch on occasion too. And so it's an incredible way to spend your money. I think it also forces you to loosen your grip on something that we hold very tightly to. And I think that's deep within God is to kind of release that and to trust him. And then again, we just remember that everything came from him in the first place. And the fact that we actually keep 90% of it is that's the scandal. I mean, so the fact that God asked for 10% back, I mean, it almost, it should be flipped, right? But, <laughs> but really how grateful we are that God gave us everything. I mean, he gave us the ability to do what we do. He gave us the breath that we have. He gave us the skills. So to give back to him is just deep within uh, yeah. a follower. And if you're not there, you know, give it a try. Yeah. Test God in this. Jim, what would you yeah. say? Well, it's in some ways kind of humorous because Don and I did not compare notes, uh, but <laughs> literally uh, verbatim, if you looked at my notes, it's very similar to that because I, I want to always think about it in this way, because sometimes I can even myself say, oh, I'm giving to God. And the reality is I'm not giving to God. I'm simply giving back to God. Uh, yeah. Everything that I have, everything that you have uh, is from him. And you might even be listening and saying, well, not really, because I worked for that. And and I would say, well, yeah, but how did you get that job? And you say, well, I went to college and I studied and I applied and I got it. And yet you back up from that and say, well, but how did you get the smarts to do that? I mean, everything we have on this planet is a gift from God. And all yeah. he is simply saying is, as I give to you, would you be willing to give kind of the first cut of that back to me in faith? So that again, as we've said already, test me. Test yeah, me because good. I'm going to show up in your life in a way that I never have before uh, as you do that in a faith journey. Yeah, man, that's that's really good. Both of you had great responses to that. Last question here. For church leaders who are responsible for cultivating this value of generosity, if you could give them one piece of advice, what would you say? Jim, why don't you start? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I referenced this a little bit earlier, but I really want to encourage you to step into the conversation about money, about generosity, about finances, about debt. Because again, this might be the biggest struggle point that many of your attendees uh, are going through. And what a great way to come alongside them in their what seemingly is their deepest need of conversation and to do it around finances and generosity. Step into it. It's not easy. Um, But you might be surprised at how helpful this is and how much they feel ministered to because you're willing to have the conversation. Yeah, that's good. Don, what about you? Yeah, I would just say uh, have a a rhythm of what you talk about money. And even like you said earlier, John, I like that. Talk about how much you talk about money. And so like even the idea of I would say you should hit the topic kind of straight on once a year in a bigger way, but you should hit on it maybe once a quarter in smaller fashions. And we would usually say tying it to something else. For example, Hey, we just heard the student ministries got going last night. We had great attendance. Hey, we can't do that without you and your financial support. I mean, whenever you can tie it back to the mission, I think, I think that's really good. And maybe you want to get creative with things like, uh, you know, the 90 day challenge. Again, we can help you with that or financial peace university. If you're not 
doing that, you might want to consider that or even creative videos, you know, that we've done, uh, that can help people realize, uh, the joy of giving. I mean, we have all sorts of creative ones we've used too. Yeah. I, I would say always tie. Those are great answers. I would say always tied to the mission. Whenever you talk about money, don't miss the opportunity to, to connect the two. And when you talk about the mission also, um, you know, t- talk about giving, thank people for, it. I mean, oftentimes that's enough. There are lots of weekends, by the way, where we talk about money and we don't make a single ask. We just thank people and we thank them because of this or this life, this person's life or this um, organization that we're able to support or the way that we've gone in this community. And that says a lot right there. Always tie it to the mission, always tie it to life change. Um, you guys, this has been great. I haven't been squirming too much as we've talked about money. Um, I feel okay about myself. I hope our listeners feel okay. I know it's not an easy subject, but Jim, you're a master. Don, you're brilliant as always. Any final thoughts when it comes to money or have you said enough? (laughs) I can always say a little bit more uh, when it comes (laughs) to money, but I'd say this, that three words for you as you're listening in relationships, relationships, relationships. (laughs) If you're, if you're an attendee, uh, again, as Don said earlier, thank you uh, for what you faithfully do as you give, we can't do what we do without you. Um, But as an attendee of whether it's our church or another church, I'd really encourage you to seek out in relationships, your key leaders Get to know them, get to know the vision, get to know the mission of the church so that as you give, you really have a full understanding of what you're giving to. And on the opposite side of that, if you're a key leader, man, giving is based around two things. Again, affinity, but then also that idea of relationships uh, tied to that affinity. Uh, Because, you know, I'll say it this way. We are constantly wanting people to come into our doors, right, to come on our turf, when was the last time that maybe you as a key leader went to their turf and got to know them? It's just something that we need to do as we get to know people and to build those relationships in that journey. That's really good. Don, how about you? Jim's a master. I mean, <laughs> listen to Jim. You should all call Jim. Everybody, his phone number is 651 no, I'm not going to get no, it. But, yeah. <laughs> no, so nice. but that, would be, that would be fun right there if I had yes, that ready. Exactly. <laughs> but I would reach out to Jim if you have questions about really this topic. He is the master at it. And and uh, and I think what we're doing here is giving you permission to talk about it. You yeah. know, talk about it with your staff, talk about it with your attenders. I mean, it, it's okay. It's a good thing, uh, but do it well. Yeah, that's really good. Hey, thanks for joining us, Jim. Thanks again, Don. Um, that's all we got for this episode of the Eagleburg Church Leadership Podcast. If you got a moment, why don't you subscribe so you know when they come out every month or leave a review. We'd love to know your thoughts. Shoot us an email too. Um, but when leaders get better, the church gets better. And that's our hope for this podcast. So thanks for joining us. And we'll see you for the next episode of the Eagleburg Church Leadership Podcast. Mm-hmm.